You're listening to Tech Talks Pandemic, a podcast project of the Women's High Tech Coalition and Wiley Connected, a platform of podcasts on tech, law, and policy produced by Wiley Ryan, a Washington, D.C. law firm. In Tech Talks Pandemic, the public and private sectors come together to chat about the government response to the coronavirus and how tech, big and small, and across industries is stepping up to help. I'm Christina Wilcox, Executive Director of the Women's High Tech Coalition. We are a nonprofit, 501c3 nonpartisan organization founded to promote the exchange of ideas among leaders in the public and private sector, whose focus is technology, innovation, and the development of public policy. Learn more about us at womenshightech.org. I'm Megan Brown, board member of Women's High Tech and a partner at Wiley Ryan. Wiley Ryan's a law firm at the nexus of technology, law, and policy with a uniquely DC perspective. You can find us at wiley.law. We're delighted to bring you Tech Talks Pandemic. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talks Pandemic. Today we are joined by Julie Stitzel, Vice President of the U.S. Chamber Center for Capital Markets Competitiveness, where she leads the team efforts on consumer finance and fintech policy. She'll be talking about the U.S. Chamber's major initiative to save small business and how fintech fits into the popular Paycheck Protection Program. Leading the discussion will be Rebecca Kern, a technology reporter at Bloomberg Government. Rebecca and Julie, welcome to the podcast, and I'll let you take it from here. Thanks very much. So this is Rebecca. I'm going to start with some questions um, for Julie. I, I just wanted to see if you could start by telling us about the nationwide Save Small Business Initiative that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce launched recently and what you hope to achieve with the initiative. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Rebecca, and thanks, Christina, for having the Chamber on the podcast today. So the U.S. Chamber of Commerce recently launched a Safe Small Business Initiative to do as much as we can to help small businesses in every town across America survive this pandemic. Many people don't know this about the Chamber, but uh, 96% of our members are small businesses. So the program itself has four pillars. The first is focused on financial aid, which is provided by Save Small Business Fund launched by the Chamber's Foundation and is fueled by contributions from corporate and philanthropic partners. And demand for this program was so great when it went live that we actually had to stop accepting applications. The second pillar focuses on resources and guidance. Co is the Chamber's digital platform for small business, is really the home base for all of the materials, step-by-step guides, infographics, advice, and other resources that the Chamber is producing are designed to help small business owners access financial relief and navigate the disruption that they're experiencing as a result of COVID-19. Co also teamed up with Inc. Magazine to create a weekly event called the Small Business Town Hall Series. And the Chamber is also leveraging our network of more than 1,500 associations and state and local chambers of commerce across America to offer webinars and virtual Q&A sessions for small businesses. Uh, Facebook's actually an initial launch partner on several of the small business guides and resources. And we, the Chamber continues to seek additional partners to support this work. The third pillar is focused on advocacy. So the Chamber played a significant role in shaping and securing passage of the CARES Act, which includes programs that provide emergency and disaster loans to 
small businesses, which we'll talk about later. Uh, we weighed in on the need for continued funding of the Paycheck Protection Program and will continue to be fierce advocates for small businesses throughout this crisis. And then the final pillar of the campaign is focused on polling. So we know from a poll we released at the beginning of this month that small businesses, and this is in partnership with MetLife, that more than half of small businesses have closed at least temporarily or anticipate closing this month. One in four are two months or less away from permanently closing. So we're scheduled to release another round of polling early next month. And um, we find that that polling is so important for us to capture the collective situation for small businesses and definitely inform our efforts to help support them during the crisis. So to answer your last part of your question, using these four pillars of the program, it's designed to address the immediate needs that we see from small businesses while mobilizing support for long-term recovery. Yeah, thanks for explaining that. And what are some of the unique challenges that small businesses have faced during the coronavirus pandemic? Um, you've said nearly half have closed this month. So um, why are they struggling so much? Yeah, so I think what you saw from states were these, rightfully so, reactions to put uh, shelter-in-place orders. And um, every state had a different formula for assessing critical infrastructure and essential business. And unfortunately, small businesses bore the brunt of this activity because, you know, they were either deemed non-essential or the foot traffic that they required that was important for them to continue to keep running was no longer happening. And so pretty much put a pause on their operation. And as a result, I think Congress immediately passed the CARES Act, which was specifically designed to address the challenges that small businesses were facing as a result of COVID-19. And part of the CARES Act includes something called the Paycheck Protection Program. So for folks who are not familiar with the Paycheck Protection Program, it was, like I said, passed as part of the CARES Act at the end of March and enabled businesses to get loans of two and a half times their average annual payroll cost and have those loans forgiven if they spend at least 75% of those funds on payroll costs within eight weeks. So it's designed to keep small businesses afloat during the crisis and to incentivize employee retention. Given the unprecedented need by small businesses that we, we saw as a result of COVID-19, the program is extremely popular and has been extremely popular. So we saw um, the initial round of payment protection program loans get used up very quickly. And that has led to some hardships for small businesses trying to get a loan. And I wanted to know if you could maybe talk about a, a business owner's experience about, you know, during this process and if they were successful getting a loan. Absolutely. So. You know, I think it's important to start with the challenges that small businesses were facing with the PPP program itself. Like I mentioned before, the unprecedented need by small businesses made this program very popular. And the first rollout was pretty rocky. I think for everyone involved, that's small businesses, lenders, and the SBA, all 
everybody involved were, were pretty frustrated, but from a small business's perspective, like getting the money was one of the, the greatest challenges because the application process wasn't clear. Lenders who were working with small businesses were waiting up until the night before the program launched for guidance. And we've got to remember that Congress stood up this program in record time. So in addition to the lack of clarity for lenders and, and small businesses, SBA was not necessarily equipped to handle the demand, particularly when it came to the tech infrastructure. So the website was crashing repeatedly. I'd say without a doubt though, given all of those challenges, everyone, the small businesses, lenders, and the SBA were doing everything they could to address the growing pains of the program because they, they wanted it to work. And we've seen stats since the first round concluded that from the Treasury Department and the SBA estimating that more than 1.6 million small businesses received loans in this first round. But then the money ran out, so you alluded to that. And for the small businesses that I've connected with over the past month, that was pretty much a gut punch. So the uncertainty around became the next challenge without a clear signal that additional funds were on the way made a lot of small businesses even more anxious. And so going back to your question around how has this been experienced by small businesses, when all of this started, I connected with a small business in Jacksonville, Florida. And this is right when um, the PPP was first announced and there was actually relief because the way that she described the situation was, you know, this is not ideal, but this is a car running out of gas. And they felt like it was fixable as long as they could get the PPP funding to help, you know, refuel their car. Well, the time it took and the trouble that we've had or the challenges that we've had along the way to, to even get that first round up and running, the context completely changed. And the small business that I was connecting with said, you know, our car is no longer out of gas. We actually just totaled it. And I'm trying to figure out if everyone in the car is safe and to what extent our car is damaged. If it is totaled, what does that mean? If it's not totaled, how much will the repairs cost? And that's the situation I think that a lot of small businesses were finding themselves in this, this first round of funding just because the time it took it to get out the door and the lack of time that they had to sustain their business during this difficult time. It definitely sounds challenging on, on all fronts. And I wanted to see what the U.S. Chamber has done in terms of partnerships with fintech companies to work with banks to help with the disbursements of the payment protection program checks that are being um, sent out. I, I know that's part of your work with uh, your program you work with? Yeah, so we, again, are advocating, from the Chamber's perspective, we're advocating for minimal disruption to the PPP program so that small businesses can get the funding that they need. And the Chamber is in a unique position because we represent and work with banks, fintechs, and the small businesses. So what we're seeing is that the fintechs and banks have really stepped up to help small businesses by partnering to make the, the PPP process easier. So, for example, some fintechs have created programs to streamline the PPP application process 
removing the complexity for small businesses and passing off the applications to banks for them to process. And then like banks, fintechs are also playing a critical role in getting the money to small businesses. So um, in a recent letter to the Fed commenting on the newly created lending facilities, we, the chamber advocated for additional guidance on the Paycheck Protection Program lending facility. Uh, if you look at the, the way it was set up, the term sheet for the lending facility notes that all depository institutions that originate PPP loans are eligible and that the Fed is working to expand eligibility to other lenders that originate PPP loans. This includes FinTechs and we've seen, you know, continued press stories or continued press noting that this is this is the case. And we think non-depository lenders like FinTech approved by the SBA to issue PPP loans should automatically gain access to the lending facility because it's important to allow PPP lenders to maximize their balance sheets and maximize PPP lending to small businesses. So the chamber is working to advocate for SBA approved lenders to maximize their ability to get the loans to small businesses. And we're also doing our best to educate small businesses throughout this process. One, because we found that the more information we can provide, it tends to alleviate anxiety for the small businesses, but it also provides the convenience for them to have this information in one place like Co, which is our, our online platform for small businesses. And I was wondering what else, what are some other benefits that allowing FinTech companies to participate in this process? What, you know, other benefits does that provide? I know maybe some smaller loans and that, that they can provide to benefit micro businesses and independent contractors. Could you talk about kind of a role that FinTech companies play that maybe banks haven't been able to do in the past? Right. Yeah. So while there are a lot of similarities in the roles that banks and fintechs play, fintechs like Square and Intuit and PayPal have existing relationships with those smaller micro businesses. So if you look at the average loan amount for the first round of PPP funding, it was around $200,000. And I was connecting with a fintech last week and their average loan amount just generally to their customers. Uh, which tend to be smaller businesses, is around $50,000. So many, to your point, many of these fintechs service the smaller micro businesses, and we know that those are the businesses that are in the most need. And in addition, you know, the fintech's existing relationships with these businesses is also extremely valuable. If I'm a micro business and I already work with a company like Square, of course I'm going to go to them first for help. I trust them as a company because they know my business, but there's also a familiarity and an ease, so it's convenient. And this kind of brings me back to a point I made earlier about banks and fintechs working together to help the PPP succeed. Both are in the experience where their businesses are customer facing. So if there's a hiccup with the PPP, the SBA system crashes, which has happened, the program runs out of money, which has happened, the customers are relying on their banks or their fintechs in that relationship. And that's a risk right now that fintechs and 
banks are taking because they recognize the important role of small businesses that they play in our economy, but also how important they are and will be for our economic recovery. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I kind of wanted to transition to kind of the role that larger tech companies are playing in helping small businesses during the coronavirus pandemic. Are there some examples of ways you've seen firms help small businesses either either with website hosting or with social media to help with promotion or advertisement via online sources? Yes. So, and particularly in the tech space, you're seeing the larger tech companies step up in the business front. So, I mentioned Facebook earlier. They're partnering with us on providing toolkits and reaching out to their small business community. Many are providing seminars, are offering, you know, in-kind ads to small businesses, and also just funds to help them, you know, weather this, this storm. On the health front, though, I'd say tech companies are stepping up, donating masks, uh, contributing to research and development around a vaccine and overall education. And then you see the broader business community too, that I would also lump in the, in the tech space, you know, providing internet where available to folks on the education front. So, so there's a broad and concerted effort across big tech, I guess you could say, but also the business community at large to help small businesses and people and communities uh, during this crisis. And one of the things the chamber has been trying to do, or our foundation has been trying to do is, is track these engagements where the chamber's foundation has a website that is tracking all of the positive things that businesses are doing to support people in the communities where they live. Yeah, it's great to hear. And I wanted to learn more about um, the, the latest stimulus package Congress passed for $484 billion. It does provide $310 billion in additional PPP loans. So what advice, I know advocacy is one of the branches of the work your small business initiative is, is focused around. What advice would the Chamber provide in the development of that latest stimulus package as lessons learned, what didn't work last time, and, and as this is starting to roll out? What are you seeing that may be different from the first round of PPP loan disbursement? One of the steady messages we've been delivering to Congress and they've been receptive is just the, the, the need to support small businesses right now. And so uh, the minute the first round of PPP funding was passed, we started to advocate for an additional round because it became pretty clear that first round was was not going to be enough, which eventually played out. And one of the things that we've been doing is not only consulting with small businesses, creating guides, hosting webinars, Q&As. We had, I think over a weekend, we had more than 40 chamber staff get up to speed on the nuance of the PPP so that we could effectively educate our state and local chambers as well as, as members around how to apply and everything from uh, are you, if you qualify as a small business, if you're a seasonal employee or an independent contractor, to how do you calculate your loan forgiveness? And there are a lot of questions still pending. Uh, what I can say is the chamber is fiercely dedicated to continuing to provide that level of service to small businesses, but to also all of our members. 
on your question with what are we seeing this time around? It's unfortunately still pretty painful, but what I can say is, you know, all of the players in this game are wanting this to work. So from the small businesses to the lenders, to the SBA, to, to the members of Congress. And so there's a collective intent, I think, to get the money to small businesses. We just need to uh, continue to do that through the PPP program. We've, we're seeing that the website is still having issues and crashing. Um, there's still some confusion about around loan applications and, and how things are, are are being approved through the SBA, but at the end of the day, we're hopeful that this latest round of funding will provide a lifeline to as many, if not more, small businesses that receive the funding in the first round. And we'll continue to work with the private sector uh, through the chamber to build in support um, as uh, we know that it is, it is urgently needed. And what additional actions would you, as the chamber, like to see Congress take to help small businesses? Do you imagine a third round of PPP loans needed in the future? Are you calling for that? And um, what other actions would you like to see Congress enact in terms of legislation or policy? So the chamber is obviously supportive of everything that, that Congress has done to date with respect to the PPP, and we hope that we hope that they will continue to realize the benefit that the PPP program is providing to small businesses and mitigate any future disruption by watching and monitoring funds. In addition, you know, we're hitting another phase of this crisis and as we consider reopening the economy. And so that return to work is, I'd say, the second phase of how we will um, support small businesses and doing that in a thoughtful way so that when we do return to work, it is done in a safe and sustainable way. And um, small businesses know that when that does eventually happen, that you know the, the road to recovery is starting. And so we would like Congress to, to consider small businesses in every lens uh, that they're evaluating not just the existing and immediate needs of response to COVID-19, but also as we look ahead to the second phase where uh, folks are starting to get back to work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thanks very much, Julie. Those are all the questions I have today, and I thank everyone for participating. Rebecca and Julie, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know where to find you on social media and on the web. Thanks. You can find me on Twitter at Rebecca M. Kern and um, the company I work for, Bloomberg Government at, at VGov. Um, we are um, very closely following the coronavirus pandemic and all of the actions Congress is taking, so constantly updating our website with all of that news. This is Julie from the Chamber. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at Julie underscore Stitzel, and um, I've got two Chamber handles, at U.S. Chamber CCMC, which is the capital markets team that I'm a part of and then also at U.S. Chamber. We have a lot of great information coming out of the Chamber that's designed to help small businesses um, and communities during this difficult time. And one last plug I would make for co-website. It is www.uschamber.com backslash co. 
it is really a one-stop shop for all of the resources for small businesses looking for resources, not just on COVID-19, but um, small business generally. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Tech Talks Pandemic, a collaboration between the Women's High Tech Coalition and Wiley Ryan. If you enjoyed this episode of Tech Talks Pandemic, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to womenshightech.org and wileyconnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Tech Talks Pandemic podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.